Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning and welcome to November. It's November the 1st. It's All Saints Day. And so we're giving thanks today for all the saints who from their labors rest. We're also um, acknowledging our calling in the world as the saints of Christ in the world today. That we might walk our faith out into the world that God so loves um, in ways that honor Jesus. I could go down like the whole list of what November is, but it's certainly Thanksgiving month. Um, and so maybe uh, maybe you're going to celebrate or acknowledge something in this particular month of November, and you'd like to share that with me. Maybe you just want to share what you're thankful for. The text line is open, 877-933-2484. During the month of November, we're going to have Children's Book Week. We're going to have uh, National Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Week, uh, World Kindness Week, World Communications Week. I just feel like we just celebrate that here on the air all the time. And also Geography Awareness Week. I feel like, again, should just be doing that all the time. Um, we got all, all kinds of things. There's Family Week. There's Game and Puzzle Week. It's Aviation Month, Child Safety Protection Month, Family Stories Month. Well, that seems fitting. What kind of family story might you tell? It's also Gluten-Free Diet Awareness Month, which seems funny because it's also Thanksgiving And uh, maybe you have a gluten-free plan for Thanksgiving. If so, that might be a fun conversation to have on a Tasty Tuesday. Um, We have all kinds of, I mean, this is even the Awareness Month for Manatees. I mean, it's Adopt a Senior Pet Month. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Candle Month, Model Railroad Month, Spinach and Squash Month, (laughs) Sweet Potato Month. I don't know. There's all kinds of things going on. Um, It's obviously the month during which we observe Veterans Day. It will be the month during which um, the season of Advent begins. It's Thanksgiving month as well. So let us give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Um, It's also probably the month you're going to start listening to Christmas music. Paul just shared with me that there's at least one station that has already switched over to a 24-7 Christmas format. Are you ready for that? I'm not I'm not quite ready for that. I know other people are. How about the transition from pumpkin spice to holiday flavors? Pump the is is pumpkin spice season over for you? It's over today at Dunkin Donuts. They have uh launched their holiday beverage menu today, also the holiday donut menu. I don't know, can you no longer get a pumpkin spice donut today? That makes me a little bit sad. Um, Starbucks and Caribou, they are making the transition from pumpkin spice season to holiday menu season tomorrow. But here's the reality. You can get a a, a, a mocha peppermint business. You can get it any day. Like, it's not like they don't serve those the rest of the year. So I don't know. Um, that, that's what I have for you uh, on what is happening on this first day of November. It is the penultimate month of the year, which means if you were going to get it done, if it was like on your 2023 list and you were going to get it done uh, in 2023, you're 
like the weeks are running short. And so maybe let's get some of our 2023 list done in November because a month from now, we're going to be like crashing towards 2024. And uh, and so we want to pace ourselves. So <clears throat> what you've been putting off for 11 months, let's let's do this month in the penultimate month of the year. So what's on your get or done list for November? Yeah, I have a long list. I have a I have quite quite a long list. Uh, all right, this is the 25th day of the war in the Holy Land. And uh, we want to be praying the news in relationship to this. Um, we also specifically want to be lifting up a particular prayer today because it does look like the Rafa Gate um, at the southern border between Israel and Egypt. It does look like the Rafa Gate is going to be opened for 400 or some people to leave Gaza and enter into Egypt. It's my very strong suspicion that those are the 400 American citizens who we know to be in Gaza. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said yesterday in a meeting with a Senate committee, we are working every single day. There are about 400 American citizens and their family members, so roughly a 1,000 people stuck in Gaza who want to get out. I'm focused on this intensely. Um, so I don't necessarily think it, it is all 400 Americans because we hear reports of many of them still serving in the conflict zone in the northern part of Gaza. Um, but however many uh, Americans are at the Rafa Gate and their family members, my guess is those are the people getting through the Rafa Gate today. Um, we do know that some 80 injured individuals um, have been allowed to pass through the Rafa gate. Um, ambulances were waiting on the Egypt side of the border to take them to a field hospital that has been staged in the area um, to uh, to deal with the catastrophically injured uh, during this war. So I just want to lift up those notes today. I also just appreciated this um, this morning from the Oxford Book of Prayer. Show us, good Lord, the peace we should seek the peace we must give, the peace we can keep. Show us, good Lord, the peace we must forego and the peace you have given in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So as we pray peace over one another and as we pray for God to send peace into human hearts in order that there might be peace in human relationships, we recognize that um, Christ alone is the Prince of Peace, and where he does not rule in human hearts, um, real peace will not come. Bill English is going to join us next. We're going to have a conversation about Christians uh, and our values at work. What should Christian business owners value, uh, and what does it look like for us as Christians to walk our values out in the workplace? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. If you haven't been to BibleAndBusiness.com lately, I'm going to invite you to visit Connecting Faith to Business with our friend Bill English. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning, Carmen. Ah, It's November. It is, and uh, we had snow here yesterday in Minnesota, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as you well know, and uh, I, I find it... Uh, repugnant that we have snow in, in October, but we did. <laughs> but, so, but but snow in November is totally reasonable. 
So, yes, it is. so, so well, yesterday, well, that which was repugnant is today predictable. And and welcome. Maybe I can put it that way. And uh, so yesterday I wore a coat for the first time. I try to get to November 1st without wearing a coat, but ah. uh, yesterday I had to wear a coat. So, How yeah. long does it take? Do you have, you have pets, cats and dogs and other things? One of each. One of each. Mm-hmm. Do they do they get a winter coat? And, and if so, how long does that take once the weather turns? Like, does it just spring forth? You know, the cat does, because our cat is is about half out, half in. Um, mm-hmm. The dog is in almost all the time, So, and, and he's he's not smart enough to grow a winter coat. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the cat does, yeah. She it actually gets quite thick. Takes mm-hmm. how long? I don't know, a month, month and a half maybe. But she starts in advance of winter, like somehow her body knows that like it's coming, and yeah. so she's already all fluffy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we, we, we'll leave her out at night in October when it gets in the 30s and 40s, and that's when her coat starts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have these little terriers, and it got cold. It's now cold, and they don't have any fur. Like, they're like little, they're, they're like practically naked, and I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get them coats, I think. There you go. That's my current personal pet dilemma. <sighs> <laughs> I'm sure there are <laughs> online stores where you can oh, buy yeah. coats for oh, your no, dogs. I know. No question about it. No question about it. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about this. Um, well, first of all, you have this great ethics series. People can go to bibleandbusiness.com, and you can actually click on a link that says ethics, and that's a great way on the blog, um, a great place to see what we're going to talk about today and the other posts related to this. Um, so this is a part of the Bible and Business series on Christian ethics, specifically for business for Christian business owners, but applicable to all of us. Talk with us about um, uh, the the values that we should be walking out at work. So the values that we should be walking. So what I was asking myself the question, um, <clears throat> I was because I was writing a section on core values in the in the project that I'm working on right now. And this project is basically a, a, a uh, another edition of my Christian theology of business ownership. I'm really upgrading that whole book, and uh, so I wanted to find out, you know, how does a how does a Christian business owner look at core values in the owner's business, right? And then that led me to ask the question: uh, What does the Bible say a Christian business owner should value? And in a sense, the Bible says we should value a whole wide range of things. And in another sense, the Bible never comes out and says you should value A or B or C. But what I noticed uh, when I was reading through First Peter, because our church just uh, got done doing a series on First Peter, was that in First Peter 1, 6 and 7, Peter makes this kind of a side comment, kind of this passing comment that your that your faith, which is worth more than gold, even though it's refined by fire. That's the Bill English paraphrase. Um, I realized, oh, there's a, there's a value there that we should value faith over wealth or faith over money, right? And then I thought, what does the rest of the Bible, are, are there other comparative values where we're told to value one thing more than another thing? And both things are good things when used properly, but we're told to value one over the other. And when I when I uh, went into Lagos and started doing my research, it, I, was, I was really stunned by how many verses uh, have what I call that comparison, right? So 
Um, for instance, Psalm 119.72, God commands us uh, that we should value God's commands more than money. Proverbs 16.16, uh, 16, we should value God's wisdom more than money. Um, in Proverbs 12.29, we should value hard work over empty boasting. Um, <clears throat> in Matthew uh, 10.37, we should value our relationship with God over earthly relationships. And John 12.43, we should value God's praise over man's praise. And, and the list just goes on and on. And I found this to be um, both encouraging and helpful and instructive, right? Because as a business owner, I want to make sure that whatever core values uh, that, that get baked into my business reflect my heart, reflect who I am. And this uh, table that I have out here at this article called What Should Christian Business Owners Value really helps to inform, uh, kind of provide that ambient context for core values in a business. Yeah, and I love that you've um that you're giving it to us as this as this grid. Um how could I test some of these in my life, Bill? Like just pick one. How could oh, I test man. how could I test this? That I mean, how <laughs> could I test whether or not I'm actually valuing faith more than money? Or that I'm valuing God's commands more than money or God's wisdom more than money. That's maybe like is this a question of like well, I don't know. I mean, like, how, how do I test that? You know what? You know what came to mind, Carmen? And that's a great question, by the way. And I don't know that I have a, a full answer for you. But what came to mind when you said that was, you know, when we value God's praise over man's praise, right? Mm. So when when I'm think, when I'm dreaming about something that would go well, you know, I I have these internal hopes and dreams. We all do. And a lot of them are never articulated to anybody. Um, am I at the center of it or is God at the center of it? Mm. Maybe that's a way to test that one. Um, valuing wisdom above all other desires. When we think about how our lives could become really easy or, you know, the end point of our lives, what's the ultimate success in our life, right? And, and, and what are we really striving for? Well, if, if we're told to value wisdom over all other desires, then is wisdom something that we're highly dreaming about? I dream about becoming wise. And not this, not this sage that sits there with the long beard and the white toga and, you know, is off somewhere, you know, thinking thoughts that are higher than what Pooh thought when he went to his thoughtful spot. But, you know, um, but genuinely valuing wisdom. Um, okay. When Pooh went to his thoughtful spot, definitely needs to be in the book. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally 100%. You know, Pooh, 100%. Who did not think high-level thoughts? <laughs> no, I know. But I just think that, like, most of us, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We are going. We are. That's That's pretty much what most of us are doing. And you are seeking to get us to think higher and deeper and broader and wider and more substantively. And I totally appreciate that. All right. We got to take a very, very brief break. When we yeah. come back, we're going to talk with Bill English about the kinds of ethical decisions that, um, that we face at work, particularly those of you who are, um, you know, you're running a business, you own a business, you uh, have some responsibility for others. 
Um, what are the kinds of ethical decisions you are most likely to face? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Continuing our conversation with our friend Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com, where faith and con- and business are connected. So connecting faith to business at BibleAndBusiness.com. Common types of ethical decisions Christian business owners face. So if we've talked about the kinds of things that we value and how we walk that out at work, what are some of the decisions then um, bill that we find ourselves needing to make. Well, these the ethical decisions. Remember, are decisions that um, we understand involve morality, but the Bible doesn't speak clearly or directly to them. So, for example, uh, should I buy this business or not buy this business? Should I enter this product line or not buy this product line? Should I hire this person or not? You know, those are there's some ethical decisions there. Uh, the three types of, of decisions uh, that I have landed on, one is called a moral temptation, where the owner can benefit or avoid loss, um, but in the process, the moral, some level of morality is going to be violated, okay? Uh, so, for example, uh, misclassifying your uh, some of your financial transactions in order that you lower your tax bill unnecessarily, right? In other words, you're committing theft Mm. with the government because you're not classifying uh, certain financial transactions correctly. Uh, The second one is kind of on the opposite end. It's called stand up for ethics. This is where the owner will suffer if the correct ethical decision is made and standing up for ethics requires moral courage. And then the uh, third part, or the third type, is what I call an ethical trade-off, where some will benefit while others suffer. And trade-off decisions require moral competence. You have to understand the competence piece here. So if I'm right-sizing my business and I, in, and I have to lay off some people, those people are going to suffer while those who still have jobs benefit. I need to I need to have some moral competence there in order to make uh, that kind of an ethical decision. So moral temptations require moral willpower. Stand up for ethics require moral courage. Ethical trade offs require moral competence. And so what I did in each of these posts, um, as as you know, because because you've read through at least some of them, um, is I gave a description of the problem. I classified the type of ethical situation that it is, and then I filtered the details through the starting point for ethics, which for me are the two great commands and the Ten Commandments as a a kind of a secondary layer, the two great commands being love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, and then uh, also went on to say this is the correct ethical decision in this type of situation. Okay, so here's a <clears throat> here's a stand up for ethics challenge. So right. you have a business you have a business owner um, today, uh, and they walk into the office and they have a particular member of their staff who has covered their desk or their cube or their area I don't know whatever their workspace is with um, 
some very um, aggressively pro-Palestinian, right on the verge of anti-Semitic um, posters, flags, graffiti, um, and standing up for their right to express themselves, but then also not wanting our work environment to be a place that has become politicized and not wanting um, any Jewish person who might come to our business or be interested in doing business with us feeling absolutely threatened by such a display. Yeah, um, I guess where where my head goes first is that just like church is not a democracy, business is not a democracy. (laughs) And so as an owner, what I would say is, uh, you know, it's got to be taken down, A, and B, don't ever do it again. Look, I'm very sympathetic to the non-Hamas Palestinians needing a homeland. Uh, but I'm also very sympathetic to uh, Israel needing to defend itself and to uh, go after the terrorists who killed 1,400 people. That's a that's a tricky area over there. But in in the in the workplace, um, we the the kind of companies that I run, I I try to keep our staff out of politics and out of religion, and that's going to be a surprise to many people. That second part. Because I want them to focus on the job that we have in front of us, and I want to be able to judge their performance on on the job that I've hired them to do. I'm paying them to do a job, not to express political views or religious views. So um, I, I I would just remind that person that this is not a democracy. You don't get this is not the public square. Business is not the public square. And uh, if if somebody's going to speak on behalf of the business to the public, that is going to be me, the owner, not you, the employee. And uh, if if you need a different uh, atmosphere to work in, then God bless you. Go find a different job. But uh, that that's how so I would approach I, that. Comment. No, that's really good. Can I quickly put the shoe on the other foot? Sure. So I'm an employee. And the owner of my business or my manager or however my thing is, however my workspace is structured, they are um, asking, maybe maybe the word's not even asking, they have sent out a new email um, signature template that includes a flag of one side or the other in relationship to the conflict in the Middle East. Um, and so, like, on the flip side, how do I stand up for ethics as an employee when I'm being asked to do something at work that's really not work-related. And it could be a flag of any kind here. This could be a rainbow flag. This could be an Israeli flag. This could be a Hamas flag. You see you right, see the right, challenge. Right, right, right. Yep. Thanks. I, How do I, I stand I did, up you know, for ethics as a person in as an employee? Well, first of all, you have to have a strong faith in the sovereignty of God and in the provision of God. Because what you're going to do is go into your owner and say, look, um, you're asking me to support something that I may or may not agree with, but I don't think that this is appropriate for the work environment. Um, I'm going to ask you to stop. <laughs> and so, you know, an employee going into the owner saying, I'm going to ask you to stop, the owner nine times out of 10 is going to say, you know, uh, you know, get out of my office. I'm going to do what I want to do. And at that point, you have to decide if you can work there or if it's time to move on. That's how I would look at that. See, I think that's just very helpful, and it takes some moral courage not only to walk it into does. the office, but it takes some, it takes some, um, yeah, some moral competence to to make that trade off if necessary. And so, thank you for outlining this and the process by which we um, we filter through 
what we need to filter through yeah. and how we bring the commands of God to bear on, you know, on real life in real work. And let, and let me just interject. I, I, I know we got to wrap up here, but just let me just interject one other thing. It is easier to be able to stand up for ethics as an employee when you have three or six months saved in the bank where you have a little bit of a financial cushion there. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, that ability to quit in order to stand up for uh, ethics or you know to exercise moral courage becomes very, very difficult uh, yeah. because you don't no have doubt. a check coming. So my, my encouragement is that part of this is good financial management. So I'll stop with that. No, that's so fantastic. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, that is our friend Bill English. You can you can find not only everything we talked about today, but tons of other great stuff at Bibleandbusiness.com. Um, I would like to come to your community. I would like, I mean, this is like Carmen inviting herself over. Mm-hmm. That's actually what we should have called this. Uh, if you go to MyFaithRadio.com, you're going to see this this thing about, you know, having a faith radio event in your community. But really, it should be called Carmen is inviting herself over. That, that I think, between you and me, because you are more than likely the people that are going to respond to this, it should just be, it, that's what it should just say. Do you want to have Tasty Tuesday uh, in your community? Do you want the Friday Farm Report, you know, on a farm in your community? Could we have a faith radio event in your community where we gather together and we ask the question, where in the word are you today? Um, and yeah, we actually bring the headline news to bear on the issues you are facing at home and in your own community and in your own environment. Yep, we are inviting you to nominate your community for a live faith radio event where I would come and we would do this in person. Wouldn't that be fun? So uh, so there you go. It could be almost anything. Um, we don't really have... Uh, we don't have this fully formed in our own minds. We really want this to be something that we talk with you about. Um, how could we together in, you know, right where you live, till the soil of the cultural conversations of the day and equip you and your neighbors with the tools to, um, to, live, to live well as Christ ambassadors right where you are. So go to MyFaithRadio.com and uh, nominate your community for a live faith radio in-person event with me where we would do this but we would do it where you are yes we could still be in our jammies and our robes if that's uh, if you know if that's your vision mhm um, we are going to talk with David Hoffman next he is the author of relationship over rules his um, life story is one of dramatic transformation um, and god's goodness and grace um resilience. David endured um, a desperately lonely childhood. And yet he is a person um, who, by God's grace and through his own then perseverance, has discovered some things about principles to live by, where you can lead gracefully and love generously. And so I'm looking forward to our conversation with David Hoffman next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm thrilled to have David Hoffman joining us today. He is a CEO and an author. The book is Relationships Over Rules, Seven Principles to Lead Gracefully and Love Generously. David, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, good morning, Carmen. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I could describe you as a person who is resilient, demonstrates um, the, the nature of an overcomer, 
Um, I think you would probably prefer I give credit to God and his ability to heal and inspire and fill and propel. So tell us, um, tell us enough of your story that we can understand um, how far you've come in terms of not only what you've endured, but the place to which you now find yourself speaking into the lives of others about the, the value of relationships over rules. Yeah, absolutely, Carmen. Um, you know, the, the, the quick story is we all have a story, you know, and um, we all have adversity. And for me, that adversity gave me a perspective, which I've gleaned on to give me gratitude. And so, um, you know, I'm grateful for everything. You know, God is not the author of anything evil. And so anything that's bad, I mean, he's still working through all things for the good of those who love him. And so for me, I didn't know God for almost 30 years. I'm 43 now. When my mom was pregnant with me in 1979, she had multiple sclerosis and the doctors told her, they warned her that if she gave birth to me, she would worst case die, best case, most likely be paralyzed. Um, she moved forward with the delivery and she did become paralyzed. When I was, unfortunately, when I was two, Carmen, my father left and took me with, with him. Um, as a child, I only got to see my mom three or four times a year for three or four hours a time. And when I was with her, I always wondered why I couldn't be with her permanently. And when I got home, not only did I miss her smiling face and her unconditional love. And by the way, with everything that she endured, she's such a positive example. She's passed now. She never once complained. I don't know what a frown on my mom's face looks like. You know, her, her husband left her. Her health was stolen from her. Her only child was taken away from her. But I always would fight to see her even a few hours a year. Because when I got back home, it was very lonely. I spent most of my time in my room. I learned through the love and grace of Jesus Christ to forgive. Uh, although I do not have a relationship with those that raised me. But I've learned to forgive like we've been forgiven. Uh, but I spent a lot of time in my room, Carmen. I mean, I... I, I would leave my house for school. And then before my stepmom got home, my father was not present, like unfortunately many families. And I would do work around the neighborhood to make some money to go to the convenience store to buy some food because I didn't eat a lot at home. You know, I had a couple meals here and there, but they were few and far between and it wasn't limitless. You know, um, I share a little bit now. I'm a victor, not a victim. Um, but I did as a kid not realize that it was not normal to drink toilet water. Um, I would drink bath water. One night I drank bath water and the babysitter was asked if I left my room. And I heard her say, yes, I heard the bath water running. So it made me realize mm -hmm. I had to move to the toilet. But see, for me, for me, I'm thinking it's just survival. You know, the food was being counted in the kitchen, but the, the dog food kernels in the basement were not. And so for me, it was just a way to survive. And, you know, the three hours, a couple times a year, I'd be with my mom. I just felt like I was someone again, and I felt unconditional love. And so, Carmen, for almost 30 years, I challenged God. I went back and forth between hating him and not knowing him, from disagreeing to him to just not believing that he even existed. And, um, and, and so that's a lot of my story. There's obviously so much. Everyone has a story. I just want to encourage people that their past does not define their purpose, and it does not dictate their potential moving forward. God has big plans for everyone. Well, first of all, thank you for um, your vulnerability and your willingness to share a portion of your story here with us to read David's story and um, the, the just the incredibly positive 
outcomes that not only is he experiencing, but he is um, sharing with others and creating for others. The book is Relationship Over Rules, Seven Principles to Lead Gracefully and Love Generously. You can connect with David and the book online at Relationships Over Rules. And those rules that you're talking about are the rules of the world. Um, and I think that's really important as well. Like, right, the, the relationships are what are paramount, um, that it's it's God who places people in our lives, and it's God who places us in the lives of other people. Um, and and it's not run by the same set of rules that um, that the world runs by. Yeah, absolutely, Carmen. I want to make it very clear. I do not speed. You know, I follow rules that are appropriate to keep people safe. Uh, I'm not a rule breaker, uh, but to your point, I want to follow his plan for our life. I've got Jeremiah 29, 11 in my real estate conference room in big print so that people, I always remind my gang, you know, start with Proverbs 3, 5, lean not on your own understanding. Jeremiah 29, 11, he has a plan for your life in Romans 8, 28, those three back to back to back that he's working all things together for the good of those who love him. And, and so Carmen, the rules of the world say that I should be an abuser who neglects my family and others uh, because of my past. And I just want to encourage people that that's not who you are. You can break those chains. The rules say when I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina in 2005, I didn't know a soul and I didn't even know Jesus. And so the rule said that I shouldn't be able to make it. I sold 50 homes in 2005 because God was working and, and I was giving more than I took. Um, and I had built a work ethic from eight years old because of that adversity that I faced. And so, you know, the rules of the world say that you need to focus on the transaction the next. In our marriage, you know, we only bring flowers home when we did something wrong with our kids. We pay more attention when they do poorly than when they do well. Um, and then in the marketplace and just in the community that we focus so much on the next transaction when that's actually when the relationship needs to begin with the prior, with the ones that God, like you said, we need to focus on those God puts in our life, even if we have nothing to gain. Um, first of all, I want to celebrate. I want to celebrate the life that you have cultivated, um, and I want to describe it that way because I do think that it's you know there is hard work um, here, in addition to God's providence and protection and guidance and goodness and wisdom and grace and all of those things. There's a lot of hard work, and so I want to celebrate that. I want to celebrate Jessica. I want to celebrate your boys, Cain and Knox. Um, and for those of you, again, who want to connect with David, relationshipsoverrules.com. Um, David, when you, when you think about um, adversity creating gratitude, so I want to just jump into some of the principles in the book here. You've talked a little bit about your past doesn't have to dictate your potential. Um, let's talk a little bit about adversity. How can adversity create gratitude? Absolutely. And and the first example that comes to mind, Carmen, is yes, I've got two precious boys. But um, as of early June, we also have a 10 year old girl named Isabella, who got oh, put amen. in our life. And, um, and, and, and she had faced has faced unimaginable adversity and, and strife in her own life. And so, you know, I'm sure it's a blessing for her to be with us, but it's more of a blessing for us. Um, but if I did not have faced that adversity, as a child, Carmen, I would not have the perspective that you can overcome, like you said earlier. And so we saw we saw Isabella as this beautiful little girl who loves the Lord, who needed to be in a safe, loving situation, um, like 
like I was given, like my wife was given, like so many who have faced challenges were given. And and so sometimes when you have adversity, oftentimes when you have adversity, what happens is you get this unique perspective that the world doesn't tell you and your neighbors may not know. You know, for me personally, it was spending a lot of time alone, spending a little time with food and drink, you know, not having all of the friendships. And so because I didn't have relationships, that's why I value them so much now. Mm, um, mm. You know, so so that so it's almost like a gift of gratitude through that adversity is that I realized, you know, um, I realized all that all that I needed. And I spent so much time alone. And I realized now when I look back that God was working. I look at the time with my mom and everything she faced. And she always had a strong faith, Carmen. She never once frowned. And so when I'm going through a tough season, I look back to everything that my mom endured. When I, you know, when the pandemic began a few years back, I told my gang, like, you know, stop, stop telling, stop telling God about like all this evil in the world. Start telling the evil about how great our God is. And because Mm -hmm. I look back and I realize that he protected me and, and he, he kept me safe. It was not on my own doing. I had that perspective. And so I just want to encourage anyone listening that has gone through a tough season 50 years ago or even this morning, that God is working. We do have free choice and will. And so we make mistakes in a broken world and there is evil, but God is working and he's going to keep going until it's good because he's good. And I just want to encourage everyone that is facing something, which is probably all of us, that there is good happening underneath and all around and inside of all that junk. Now, don't get me wrong. You can keep toxic, you can keep tough people, but you cannot keep toxic people in your life. That is not something God wants. Uh, But yeah, that adversity for me, I thank the Lord all the time. Not that my mom had to fight it, but that I had to face it, Carmen, because I would not have the perspective I have today that, you know, I was raised Jewish. And when the Israelites were hoarding their manna, it's because they didn't have perspective of what would happen the next day. They didn't realize that there would be manna the next day. So they hoarded it. I realize I don't need much of this world. I realize that this is a broken world and that I need Jesus and I need the people he puts in my life. And if I focus on them and I never do another real estate transaction, and if I focus on my own marriage and it's not perfect, it's okay because he's the only perfect one. And I, re- I realized because of a lifetime of strife that um, we're not called for bliss on this side. And I look forward to eternity. That's so good. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with David Hoffman. Again, you can connect with him at relationshipsoverrules.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with David Hoffman. 
Um, he is um, a CEO and a real estate um, entrepreneur. He's also the author of Relationship Over Rules. You can connect with David at relationshipoverrules.com. Um, I would like to, you know, ask you as an expert, you know, to give me uh, a, a, a quick take on the real estate market. But I will resist doing that um, because I know that you want to talk about being friends before demonstrating that you're an expert in something. So talk about that as a principle here. Be a friend before being an expert. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you don't have a relationship with someone, then showing your expertise may help to drop their guard because you can't fade to your make it and people deserve the best out of you because God has made you perfect in his image. Um, But being the friend first God puts people in your life and I've seen it. I'm almost 44 years old now, Carmen, and I've seen it time and time again. I share one story in the book about a gentleman who was put in my life by a mutual friend, Carmen, and he couldn't buy a house. He couldn't sell a house. He didn't have his real estate license, but he was curious. Well, he ended up getting his license. He ended up joining my firm and we became dear friends. And a year and a half ago, he was tragically killed um, in his six-year-old daughter's bedroom. And I opened the funeral and Carmen, I went through some papers that I received in 2018, some letters that the host of a talk I gave in Nashville in 2018 had asked my wife to compile. My wife was asked to find six people in my real estate organization that would be open to sharing or in my life that would be open to sharing what our relation meant to them. Well, this friend Jimmy shared about how he found Jesus through our relationship and, and, um, if I was focusing on being the expert in real estate, if I was focusing on trying to tell him all the stuff that I thought he needed, instead of just being a friend for a mutual friend and meeting him where he is, I never would have met him. I never would have brought him into my life. God would never put him in my life. And and I was never able to be an, an example of Jesus. So at the end of, at the, end of the day, I'll never forget a gentleman asked me in Baltimore, Maryland, about seven years ago. I was sharing about the relationships in your life and how you have to focus on them over the transactions, that the relationship starts when the transaction ends, Carmen, and how the rules of the world get dispelled by Jesus in the center. And he said at the end in a Q&A, I'll never forget, it was a powerful question. He said, Dave, this is all nice and warm and fuzzy and all, but what happens if all you do is help a lot of people and they never reciprocate? If all you do is serve others, but you never get the transaction, you never sell a house, you never, you know, because I'm in the real estate, what, you know, you never can take care of your own family. And I'm like, well, God will provide. And when I get to heaven, I'll get to see my mom again and she'll be dancing with Jesus outside of the wheelchair. And I want to be told, hopeful, I'll be told, well done, good and faithful servant. He came up after that talk, Carmen, and he was crying and he said, thank you. I've been chasing the dollar and the deal. And the world has been telling me I'm doing it for my wife. I'm doing it for my kids. I'm doing it for my family. But it's been empty. I've been chasing the stranger who doesn't know me, trust me, respect me. A lot of them are not tough relationships. They're actually toxic. But I keep chasing that next transaction. And I'm telling myself that it's for my family. But you, you're giving me permission. He already knew. It was just affirmation that God has put people in my life that love me. And I just need to be there for them. I just need to meet them where they are. And, and I just need to give unconditionally. And if God wants them to reciprocate, they will. But I need to do my part and then leave room to receive his goodness. And so we always have to be the friend first. I mean, we all know that expression. 
that no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And it's so true. We need to be the salt and light. Mm. Um, are you receptive to me praying for you today? That would be a blessing. That'd be wonderful. Mm. Father, thank you for David. Thank you for recovering him. Thank you for seeing him in spaces and places and times on days and nights when he wondered if anybody saw him and knew where he was. So thank you, Father, for preserving his life, for protecting him. Thank you for um, providing for him in ways that are hard to imagine, but in your goodness, um, you have given him life. And Father, thank you for setting your heart on him in such a way that he could then in turn set his heart on you. Thank you for being the one who fills him, inspires him, leads him, guides and directs him. Thank you for giving him the gift of Jessica and Cain and Knox and Isabella. Thank you for the way in which you are um, demonstrating your love through him to others, pouring your grace through him as a conduit into the world. Um, Thank you, Father, for this opportunity that you have given him through this book um, to have an entry point of conversation into the lives of of people who wonder whether or not uh, the world is really winning at all the games of the day. So thank you for David. Um, Thank you for giving him all that he needs today to walk by faith into the world that you so love and to do so in ways that honor your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Carmen. David, um, thank you. It's a it's a privilege to uh, to meet you today, and I look forward to an unfolding friendship in the future. Likewise, likewise. And yeah. I just want to leave you with anyone who's listening that's going through something. I just want to encourage them that they are more than enough, and mm-hmm. and and they just need to remember that. Amen. Thank you. Relationshipsoverrules.com. All right. Take a deep breath. It is the first of November. Um, We are uh, we are looking ahead at a month of Thanksgiving. You may also be looking ahead at a month where you say, I've got so many things to do before the end of the year. I can't imagine that we're in the 11th of 12 months. You may be looking at the concerns of the day around the world and tempted to put your head in the sand. I want to encourage you. Um, to spend some time with the Lord today. And you may say to yourself, I don't have, I don't have time to spend time with the Lord today. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. You have time to spend with the Lord today. And he's waiting for you right now. There's nothing the Father wants more than for you as his child to turn toward him. Um, you, don't have to, you don't have to go anywhere uh, to enter into that secret place that God has... Um, that God has set aside just for the two of you, you can just turn there. Um, wherever you are, you can um, you can turn to the Lord. He's waiting for you right now. Have you ever thought about that? Like, just consider that for just a moment. The Father is waiting right now. He's waiting for you to turn toward home. He's waiting for you um, to see that his eyes and his affection and his heart is set upon you in Christ Jesus. So, Give God some uh, attention today. All the tension of the world is going to try to um, to hold your attention. And let's give God the attention due his name today. Um, 
as we walk our faith out into the world that he so loves. I'll be praying for you. You be praying for me. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.